Conversations, the radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine to bring you the local experts who share their progressive ideas and the latest information and insights needed so you can lead your best life. I'm your host, Candy Broffel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, and I am honored to bring these experts to you. Today on our show, we are visiting with Wayne Dupuy, the Environmental Program Manager at Resource Management for the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. I worked with Wayne in several capacities while I was employed at Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College, and I have always been impressed with the vision he has to manage the resources of not only the tribe, but the community at large. Work being done out of resource management is nothing short of amazing. They are always on the forefront of what is happening in resource management, energy production, and more. It has been on my mind from when I first started hosting this program to have Wayne as a guest and to let our audience know about some of the great work that the tribe is doing. And today is the day we get to hear all about it. So Wayne, why don't you take a few minutes and tell everyone a bit about the tribe, including where it's located, and some of the different industries that are at Fond du Lac. Sure. The Fond du Lac Reservation um, takes on the French word for our original name, place name, which was Nagachiwanang, the place where the water slows. And that was near, at the end of the Chigami River, that was, that's called now the St. Louis River. And it's the largest estuary in the western part of Lake Superior. So that was our original homeland in Nagachiwanang, now called Fonjalak, as the western part of Duluth. Um, in 1854, the, the Fonjalak band, or Nagachiwanang, we were called the um, Gichigami Nini, the Lake Superior people signed a treaty with the United States government and uh, ceded the northeast section of, of Minnesota to the United States in that treaty. And we ended up 20 miles west of uh, our original homeland down there in the estuary on the Fond du Lac Reservation, which now consists of about 100,000 acres. Um, and that is probably 43% wetland. So um, we have uh, currently, there's 4,200 enrolled members of Fond du Lac Band. Probably half of those enrolled members live within the reservation boundaries. The other half live throughout the world, all, you know, everywhere from uh, Germany and Africa and so on. So um, we, we, the folks that are living here, have the responsibility of taking care of our our, um, in Ojibwe, they call it Ishkonagin. It's called the leftovers. Um, but we call it home as well. <laughs> so we have the responsibility of taking care of, of this land that's uh, left for us. And this is our permanent homeland. Um, on the Fond du Lac Reservation, we have uh, everything that, uh, it's kind of a microcosm of government. We have housing, we have uh, uh health and human services, we have education, and uh, we probably employ 2,000 people 
with the band and all of those various components of uh, carrying out our responsibility to our to our current citizens and and to the future people of this this uh, tribal government. There are several different communities within Fond du Lac, correct? Yes, there's uh, like th- three districts. So there's the Fond du- uh, the Coquet district, mm-hmm. and that's probably the largest demographic. I mean, population-wise, there's uh, then there's the Brookston district. It probably is the largest geographically. And I live in the Sawyer District, and that's uh, um, probably the smallest. Yeah, it's the smallest population-wise and and uh, geographically as well. There's also a very large health clinic as well. We have a Health and Human Services Division that uh, probably employs close to 500 people. That's uh, doctors, nurses, uh, social workers, uh, mental health providers. Um, everything that a, a human services department would would provide, mm-hmm. and I think we have uh, probably uh, one of the best health clinics in in the region. Yes, <laughs> yes, I would agree with that, and that's something that I would love to have somebody come in and talk with us about as well, because it's very progressive in the preventative side of health and taking a look at more holistic approaches as well. But of course, that's really not your forte. You are the program manager with the environmental program. Right. Although I I have been uh, I have worked at our health and human services as a social worker as well. So I um, that was many years ago. <laughs> I think you probably but have as done the, most things. As the uh, environmental program manager, we uh, are involved in environmental impact statements for the mines that are within our ceded territory because we retain use of fructory rights to all of that northeastern Minnesota. And uh, we get, have the right to hunt, fish, and gather and co-manage those, what what is termed uh, resources, but we term as our relatives in those ceded territories. So usually what we do when we, you know, if we're formally introducing ourselves, we will say, you know, hello, my fellow human being, Minoa and all of my, our relatives, all of my relatives, actually is what it's saying. And uh, make sure that we acknowledge all of those things that fly, all of those things that swim, that uh, walk, crawl, and so on, because they are our relatives. And that's the, uh, that's the philosophy we, we take when we're, we're um, asked to co-manage those resources or relatives mm-hmm. and uh, we're and I guess philosophically as well man or human beings are the last in the order of creation as we know it mm-hmm. so all of those things are our elders and have things to teach us and uh, so if if we are responsible for co-managing we have to do it with that kind of humility in in our thoughts and and actions and taking whatever measures are asked to say manage those relationships or resources. 
Right. So you're not just looking at the relationship of what's happening right now and what's happening for the tribe right now, but you're looking at it from a very global perspective, from a complete holistic approach. That's that's our that's what we're bound to do. Exactly. Yep. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the programs that you have at Environmental Resources? Um, in resource management, we have uh, we have fisheries. Uh, we have two biologists that work with uh, with uh, actually the wildlife, and we have a fisheries biologist as well that work with um, many of the state DNR people and planning and and what they call co-managing those relatives or resources. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very active in in uh, all aspects of that. We're also looking at uh, reintroducing the elk to our territory somewhere in the region and uh, working with not only the state DNR, but also the, uh, I think it's the elk, uh, I can't recall the name, but uh, they're the ones there were a group of people that helped introduce elk throughout the country. At one time, one time this region was uh, full of elk and uh, yeah, we were hoping to do that. Well, we need to go into a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Wayne and learning more about the programs at the tribe. For people who want to learn more about what's happening at Fond du Lac Resource Management, visit fdlrez.com. That's F-D-L-R-E-Z dot com. You can read the online version of Natural Awakenings magazine at naturaltwincities.com. We will be right back. Well, here we are again, and uh, this is looking like a pretty lopsided matchup, Jim. That's right, Ron. I mean, in one corner, we've got a 175-pound guy, and in the other, a 6,000-ton heavyweight train? Jim, this guy has no idea what he's getting himself into. Ron, the size difference alone is staggering. Oh, unbelievable, Jim. And this guy is acting like he doesn't have a care in the world. What is this guy thinking, Ron? Well, this is one of those rare moments where I actually find myself uh, at a loss for words. I can hardly bear to watch. It's no contest. Every day, people tempt fate and die trespassing on railroad tracks. Railroad tracks are more dangerous than you think. See tracks, think train. For more safety tips and information, visit seatrackstinktrain.org. Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Braffel, and we are welcoming today Wayne Dupuy, the Environmental Program Manager at Resource Management for the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. So before the break, we were starting to tell us about some of the different programs that are at Resource Management. What are some of the other programs that you have? I know there are actually quite a few. 
We do have uh, quite a few here. Um, we have a program called 13 Moons, and that uh, looks at all of the various activities that happen throughout the year and kind of in, encourages our community members to participate in, in cultural um, activities that, that happened in that particular season or that month. So each of the moons are named after what is actually happening. Happening, um, you know, Ojibwe. I, you know, we have April, May, June, but in in our language, it is April is the month of boiling the sap, and May is the month where the the, the leaves come out, and June is the month where the strawberries ripen. So, you know, and and uh, so in the spring, it's September is the rice making moon and October is the leaf falling moon and so on. And 13 moons identifies things that uh, are associated with each of those months. And, and we uh, encourage people in the community and, and uh, uh, in the area actually to come and participate and, and keep their connection with, with those things that uh, bring specialness to their lives. So that's uh, the 13 Moons program, and we also have a land information office. We we record all of the land within the reservation boundaries, kind of keep a history of ownership, just like uh, recorders at the county or or state level, mm-hmm. and um, and they participate with their land use committee, who kind of reviews every permit that comes through the reservation. Uh, to allow certain activities within within the reservation as well, mm-hmm. and kind of keep track of uh, our resources and make sure that they're not being impacted in a negative way. Then we have the Natural Resources Program, which uh, works with uh, with uh, both the fisheries and the wildlife, and in uh, maybe tagging animals, but they also do work uh, restocking fish, uh, the sturgeon. We have one program where we restocked the St. Louis River and and uh, that's been going on for many years. And um, when they put up the dam there at Thompson, it restricted the uh, the migration of the sturgeon up the St. Louis River. But we've uh, we've entered into agreements with tribes in Michigan and and have uh, um, taken the the fingerlings from Michigan and replanted them up here in the St. Louis River. And they're on. And a sturgeon, it takes them 19 years before their breeding age. And now they're of breeding age, and we're getting repopulation up here in the upper St. Louis or Chigami Zibi. Uh, that's the way we say it, Chigami Zibi, the Great Lake River. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the population seem to be uh, doing very well with the sturgeon. Sturgeon is the name the, the so that is- in our language. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that program, so that's pretty cool. You also have a forest management, correct? And we have forest management. Like I was saying, uh, 40%, 43% of our land is uh, wetland, but wetland uh, in our language is, we call it mushkiki or medicine, um, the strong earth. And that's where many of our medicines are found is in the, in the, in the swamps and wetlands and so on. So we have to take measures to make sure that uh, that stays healthy and and uh, continues to produce the kind of things that we need to to uh, keep ourselves healthy and and our environment healthy um, the wetland is also like the kidney of the earth and, and uh, we need to 
make sure that that doesn't get bound up or, or polluted. And um, our forestry or, uh, yeah, our forestry people uh, kind of take an inventory of all of the land that we have. And, and uh, we're also looking at how we sequester carbon as well. And so they take measurements in regard to that. And, um, and you know, that's uh, another way of, of assuring ourselves that we have clean air when we have good, good, healthy forests. Yes. So we, we make sure that uh, our land use and everything else makes sure that we don't diminish that, that we uh, make sure that we sustain that and uh, keep it healthy and, and uh, that keeps us healthy. It really is responsible harvesting and replanting that is happening. So you work for the environmental program, and you guys are doing some really amazing work as well. Yeah, we have uh, probably um, 14 people in the environmental department, and there, uh, many of them are, you know, that in the top of their field, well respected. Uh, their opinions and and uh, uh, are are well respected. We have uh, some of the best uh, folks involved in helping to plan and make sure that our, our whole region is safe and secure from, you know, many of the things that affect it. Um, and if there are projects that are coming into our region, we make sure that they're done in a good way and and uh, don't detract from the health of our our streams or rivers or wetlands or forests and. Uh, it's uh, it's it's an advantage to all of the people of this region for for us to be involved in there, mm-hmm. because uh, like I say, that's that's insurance that those things are well taken care of. So we've been we've been cooperating agency uh, cooperating agency in the EIS for the Polymet mine for the Twin Metals mine, um, and uh, and we we hold those corporations kind of to the line, make sure that, you know, we, Minnesota prides itself on having good environmental stewardship, but uh, we, we bring another layer of uh, assurance that that's going to happen. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, there's a lot going on with that right now. Yes, there is a lot going on with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that brings lots of jobs, but uh, we also have to make sure that, we can sustain these forests and and uh, and wetlands and and our water. We have ten percent of the world's uh, fresh water, and we have to make sure that uh, every, all the actions that are taking pl- place within our within our ceded territories uh, will contribute to the health of, and uh, security of that that water resource. Water is uh, like they say, water is life, and uh, we we need that. We need to go into a break now, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Wayne about the different projects that are happening at Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. To learn more about what's happening at Resource Management, visit fdlrez.com. That's f-d-l-r-e-z.com. To read the online version of Natural Awakenings magazine, visit naturaltwincities.com. You can find a podcast of this show on am950radio.com and on Apple and Google Podcasts. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back.
we asked kids what it took to be a dad, this is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what, father, what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love Love your son, you need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make some breakfast. Yep. I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me, or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Green Tea Conversations, a radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talks to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Broffel, and today we're talking with Wayne Dupuy, the Environmental Program Manager at Resource Management for the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. Before the break, you were telling us about some of the different programs, the different industries that are at the tribe. And now I want to more specifically talk about the environmental program. About 10 years ago, Fond du Lac built a new building for resource management, and it was actually a starship in Carleton County because it was the first LEED certified building. The resource management division has about 60 full-time employees, and we were all crammed into probably a 2,000 square foot uh, building, you know, there were three people to a 10 by 10 office space and, um, there was a need for a new building. And, and we, um, I think at the time we put together some, a capital development plan and got enough funding to, uh, build uh, a 20,000 square foot building. And, uh, and during the planning stages, we thought, well, we need to be true to our, our mission and, uh, so we wanted to make sure that it met uh, energy conservation measures, and we we strive to have the lead lead certification for the building. So we we uh, put in um, natural light systems, so the sun shining during the day would be be that light, and many of the we've got prisms and so on in our hallways that come directly from the from the sun, and we put uh, I think it's twelve. 12.5 kilowatts of solar uh, photovoltaic energy uh, on our roof. And we tr- made attempts to uh, make sure that much of the material that was used for the building was local. Mm-hmm. So we reached our, our goal of having the first lead building in Carleton County. Yes. And uh, we have a, now we have a 20,000 square foot building and, and uh, we still don't have enough space, but you know how that goes. <laughs> That's always the case, isn't it? The other thing I wanted to get into is the fact that Fond du Lac has been a part of the Kyoto Protocol. 
Well, you know, our the mission of Fond du Lac is to make sure that we're sustainable and and uh, uh, we take measures to to assure that um, not only what we do today, but what happens in the future will will strive to maintain that sustainability. And uh, as you know, the Earth is kind of uh, in a crisis right now as, as a result of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And we need to take measures to do that. And the Kyoto Accord was probably established in the early 2000s. And, uh, and that was to reduce our carbon footprint by 20% by the year 2020. Well, this, it's been about 20 years since the Kyoto Protocol was put into effect. And, and we convinced the uh, Reservation Business Committee, the tribal government, to sign on to that, to the, to the philosophy of uh, the Kyoto Protocol. And we passed a resolution saying that we would reduce our carbon footprint by 20% by 2020. And we've made efforts to, uh, to do that. And the lead building is one of those efforts, but um, um, we've also looked at uh, energy consumption in every one of the buildings that we have. So we have, we have um, probably a half a million square feet of, of buildings throughout the reservation, and that includes uh, our casinos, which is the Blackbird Casino is probably 80,000 plus square feet. The Fond du Luth Casino is maybe 30,000 square feet. Our Health and Human Services is another 80,000 square feet, and we have community centers in each of our district. And uh, we have a, a school, a large K through 12 school, and uh, and uh, other buildings that are are within the the reservation. So we did energy audits on all of the buildings to to make sure that uh, they were operating as efficient as they could. And um, we probably reduced our our carbon footprint by. I believe uh, we've we've we're probably at 45 to 50 percent reduction in in the carbon footprint from the day that we signed that to today, and uh, we hope to be 100 percent in the very near future by uh, um, identifying woodlands or forestry forest types that contribute to carbon sequestration and and uh, putting that in in uh, Kind of on hold, never, never allowing any kind of development to diminish that, so that it uh, continues to put out carbon that, uh, or hold carbon dioxide. It, it will sequester carbon in the. And by using those carbon offsets, you believe you can reach that one hundred percent goal. Right, and that that should happen, like I say, within the next couple of years. Wow. So you really have far surpassed the goal of reaching 20% by 2020 since you've already reached almost 50%. And we're, we're, uh, we feel good about that. It's, uh, it's something that we have to always be paying attention to and, and striving for and, and, uh, make sure that we communicate that to our, our, the people in our communities as well so that they do the same thing. Now, you were saying not only is it reducing the carbon footprint, but there was a huge cost savings to the work that you did with energy audits and making the changes that needed to be made. What were some of those changes that you made to the buildings? Um, Many of them had to do with, you know, we had lighting. We looked at our water fixtures. We looked at our um, sanitation facilities. We also looked at all of the uh, rooftop 
air handling facilities, and we made uh, great reductions there. I think we've saved, um, I think it's like 15,000 tons of carbon dioxide in our reductions. And uh, we also, that turned it out to be about $64,000 a month in electric bills. And uh, we're climbing. So we've reduced our our, uh, electric consumption or our energy consumption by three quarters of a million dollars in in probably three years that we took that project on. Wow, that is amazing. And and like I say, it's a dollar reduction, but it also is a a 15,000 ton reduction in carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that's, that's good for all of our, all of our relations. So when we were preparing for this interview, you shared that you were exploring the idea of purchasing energy from other sources and perhaps the possibility of having your own energy company? We're looking into mm-hmm. establishing our, a tribal utility here at Fondelac, and um, that gives us some energy sovereignty as well. We can say we choose not to use uh coal-fired energy to produce electricity for our homes or our businesses. And and if we tap into, say, the transmission lines and, and become our own utility, we can have power purchase agreements with various providers, generators of electricity, and and make sure that that's assigned to our, to our, um, our use. And that's mm-hmm. the way we can do that. And that promotes that... Uh, um, that promotes a good use of of energy and sustainable in sustainable ways. So one of the things that I've always been so impressed with is Fond du Lac has really been on the forefront of looking at photovoltaics as being a viable option for producing energy and reducing a carbon footprint. As I mentioned, we put probably 12 and a half, 12 and a half kilowatts of uh, photovoltaic on the roof of our resource management building. We also, in the early 2000s, put three and a half kilowatts on our one of our powwow grounds and that provides electricity there over by the uh, Ojibwe school and then uh, probably in 2014 we had the opportunity to put a, a megawatt of solar pv over near the the uh, black bear casino and hotel and uh, that's been an operation and and functional for i think about three years now and that reduces the uh, energy over there probably by 10%. It, uh, like I say, it's a one megawatt, which uh, is equivalent to providing electricity to say about 200 homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, that's been working very well for us. And um, So moving forward in the future, do you have any plans to expand on photovoltaics? You know, there's always that possibility. We're looking, we're doing assessments in all of our communities to see where it's likely that we could put, say, a, a maybe a 40 kilowatt system in, mm-hmm. and that would uh, go to offset some of the some of the uh, community members' electricity bills, and and um, and we have some likely spots in all of our communities. So, um, yeah, we're we're pro. PV in, on Fond du Lac Reservation. In addition to the solar PV, we're also looking at biomass as a heating source. That keeps the, the energy dollars in our local region as well. 
and uh, it gives us an opportunity to harvest some of the the uh, the forest byproducts that probably need to be harvested um, when they've reached their maturity. It's it's time to to use it, and uh, we can chip that up, and we have a, a one million. Uh, BTU boiler out in our Sawyer Community Center, and that's used to offset probably 30,000 gallons of propane a year to heat our community center out there in Sawyer. And we're looking to do the same kind of thing out in our Brookston and then provide that as a, a residential heat source as well. Well, Wayne, when we come back, I want to continue our conversation, but for people who want to learn more about what Fond du Lac Resource Management is up to, visit their website at fdlrez.com. That's F-D-L-R-E-Z.com. To read the online version of Natural Awakenings Magazine, visit naturaltwincities.com. You can find a podcast of this show on am950radio.com, on Apple and Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, river. Dude. How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you here? Cool. Who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, Oak Tree? Sup? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, Turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. You'd think he would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel, has anybody seen Mr. Squirrel? The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Conversations where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Broffel, and today we're talking with Wayne Dupuis, the Environmental Program Manager at Resource Management for the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. So, Wayne, before the break, we you were starting to get into the different programs at Fond du Lac, and one of the areas that is really important to look at is forest management. Like I say, the forest assures us of our our, our oxygen. Um, the trees turn carbon dioxide into oxygen, and and uh, in order for us to be sustainable, we need to make sure that we have healthy forests. And and uh, and I think that our forestry doesn't look at forest as an extractive uh, resource like timber. It doesn't. They don't kind of measure it by board feet. They measure it by 
probably more by carbon sequestration than board feet. Of course, uh, you always have to look at the utilitarian value of things, but uh, um, I, I think uh, we have a symbiotic relationship with our forests and we need to make sure that we uh, take care of them like they take care of us. And I, I, that's the approach that our forestry takes in regard to the forest within the Rafangelac Reservation and tries to assert that in in the forests out in our ceded territories as well. I know another area you are really focused on is food sovereignty. Tell us about some of the work you're doing around this. Well, I think the pandemic has kind of brought this right right uh, to the heart of the matter here on, on Fond du Lac. Um, and this year, I, last year as well, we recently purchased probably uh, 40-some acres out in the Sawyer district that's uh, a farmland, a former farm. And, and uh, we've, we've divided that up to about 20 different people from Fond du Lac that had an interest in, in starting farming. And, and uh, we each got, say, a quarter acre of land, which is plenty of land to grow enough food for a family. And, um, you know, we had a choice about what kind of seeds we want to plant and, and uh, what, what kind of uh, vegetables and so on that we wanted to harvest. And I, one of the, one of the uh, objectives of this program was to develop like a business plan as well so that you could maybe sell your products if you wish to do that or most of us kind of give it or trade it back and forth. So um, the, the money object wasn't too didn't go over too well, but um, we're learning how to we're learning how to plant. I've been doing this for most of my life, but uh, I also participated. And, um, there's probably, like I say, twenty twenty different plots out there, and uh, we've uh, that's part of our thirteen moons project. And uh, I think we've got the support of the tribal government as well to do that. We're going to put in a a, a huge. Uh, um, not a root cellar, but a, a food uh, a food center on the farm, and uh, put in a, a greenhouse as well, so that we can we can grow things in the spring mm-hmm. and uh, later into the fall, and become responsible for you know producing our food locally, mm-hmm. and uh, and the more we learn, the more we're capable of doing that. So uh, it's it's been a pretty uh, fruitful endeavor for many people here on the Fond du Lac Reservation. We just went over and harvested uh, rutabagas the other night, which, you know, I like rutabagas in our soups and, and so on. <laughs> yes, you have to have those rutabagas. It's really interesting because you get people who are learning how to grow their own food, how to harvest it, and how to put it up for winter. Are you looking at canning and freezing as well? And those are the kind of things that happen through our 13 Moons program as well. You know, we have uh, presentations on that. We've uh, employed uh, John Fisher Merritt is an elderly person that uh, lives in our region and is probably one of the first people that started a community support supported agriculture here. And, and he's very successful and very wise in regard to uh, how you plant and harvest and and uh, sustain the seeds to for the next year as well. And he comes in on a weekly basis and shares his expertise and wisdom with uh, the people that are learning to farm on our farm out there. Mr. Fisher Merritt has been around 
has been doing CSAs really since I was a kid. So he has a wealth of knowledge. I know one of the topics that's really important to you that I want to get into before the end of the show is to really talk about water protection and protecting our wildlife. And, you know, monoman, you call you say wild rice, we say monoman, and that means the good berry. Um, it was in our prophecies that we would live on the place where the, where the uh, food grew on the water, and that's the monoman. And uh, so it's very special to us, and we take uh, great effort in making sure that it grows, and we take great effort and have great uh, gratitude for, for obtaining that in this, this time of the year. And this year happens to be a great year for uh, Monoman. There's rice in all the lakes, and we're very happy for that. Um, Monoman is is like uh, like the canary is to the coal mines. If you don't, if the Monoman isn't grown or or cannot grow in your waters, that means that uh, there's something wrong with your water. Uh, even though it's cyclical, but there are there are places that 90% of the the uh, waterways in in the United States are diminished from Monoman uh, um, as a result of our our relationship with our water. Uh, it isn't fit to grow the the Monoman that uh, grew at one time, and uh, we that's why we need to pay attention to how it grows and and uh, take efforts to make sure that it does. And it hasn't always been the case, even at Fond du Lac Reservation. There have been times when Monoman was not growing like it is now, and you guys have really given a lot of effort to bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Fond du Lac Reservation, one of the reasons it was the area was chosen, actually our chiefs went to Washington in the late 18, early 1860s because the surveyors were going not including the lakes that had the had the monoman in it, so they went there and they said, "Hey, hey, you're uh, you're wrong. This isn't what we agreed to." So they chopped off probably thirty thousand acres on the western side of our reservation and included maybe ten thousand acres on the southern end to include the the wild rice lakes. That's how important it was for us to uh, have that be part of our um, our ways of sustaining ourselves and. Uh, Monoman is part of every social function that we have as well. Um, so it's very important that we we make sure that uh, we take efforts to to uh, protect the monoman, and in protecting the monoman, we're also protecting the waters that uh, that give us life. And uh, well, Wayne, I just really thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And thank you for joining our conversation as we awaken to natural health. You've been listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and I am wishing for you a lovely day. Lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day.